Appreciate that song. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 John today, 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. John wrote five books, and this is one of the epistles that he wrote. Now, an epistle is not the wife of an apostle. You're wondering. I have my little marker here. All I had to do is do this, and I'm looking through my pages. 1 John chapter 4. Verses 1 through 6, you find that stand. It's the custom here to stand and read, so we'll do that this morning. John the love, the one who felt love, says, Beloved, or beloved, you can pronounce it either way, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is a spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and hath overcome them, greater, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that knoweth not, that is not of God, heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. God bless us as we take a look in the book for a walk in the world. I need you this moment. I need thee every hour. Each one of us needs you in our life. We need you to dominate our lives, to lead us, to guide us. And Lord, more important than that is that we recognize that you want to do that and that we follow. All I need to do is follow you and everything will be all right. Thank you for your word. Bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. John the elder, the old man of the disciples, the one who referred to himself as the one Jesus loved. He was a fisherman by trade. He was part of the inner circle. The three, Peter, James, and John that followed the Jesus, that followed Jesus into the Garden of Gethsemane and the Mount of Transfiguration. The closest to Jesus were Peter, James, and John. And he was the older of the brothers, James and John, son of Zebedee. And he's the one we know as the lovable disciple. Yet he talks about the importance of strong and sound doctrine. You know, a lot of false prophets talk about love, 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 but don't talk about sound doctrine and don't teach sound doctrine. But John does that. Here he talks about truth. Now, there are not chapter divisions in the Bible, so we could have began reading in verse 24, but we pick up in verse 1, and he says, Beloved, believe not every spirit. The word spirit is a simple word. It simply means to breathe or to blow. It's really referring to the invisible, immaterial, but powerful part of our world. And we'll, we'll explain that more in depth later. Some spirits are good. Some spirits are bad. Man has a body, soul, and spirit. And if we've accepted Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has moved into our lives and made our spirit good. He's regenerated us, and we know from Titus, he regenerates us and gives us a good spirit. So there are evil spirits and good spirits. Lost people have an evil spirit, body, soul, and spirit. Their inner man is evil. 
And we know that in verse 1, he uses this matter of evil spirits synonymously with false prophets. You see, evil spirits in this context is a reference to people, false prophets, false teachers. When we think of evil spirits, somewhere in Scripture we know the Bible talks about demons. It's not what it's talking about here. It's talking about fallen man who has an evil spirit. And uh, the saved man has a good spirit. And so he, he talks about the spirits here. And of course, the difference maker is the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 9 says, If any man hath not the Spirit, referring to the Holy Spirit, he's none of his. He doesn't belong to God. Now remember, distinguish here. The word spirit here has the small s. So we know in verse 1, that is not talking about the Holy Spirit, but our spirit, whether evil or good. So he says, don't believe them, but try them or test them to see if they're of God or not. So if a false prophet comes along, we want to find out if he's of God. We want to test him. And the test is clear here in 1 John. The test is that they'll accept the incarnation. I didn't say the carnation, the incarnation. And if they accept the incarnation, then they are spirits of God. If they don't, they're spirits against God or anti-Christ. And so we'll see that clear and clear as we work through this test, or through this text, excuse me. So they're either good or bad. In the Old Testament, the mark to know if someone, excuse me, the test, I guess not mark, but the test to see if someone uh, were of God or not would be partial fulfillment of their prophecy in their own lifetime. Jeremiah prophesied and lived to see it fulfilled and was carried away captive like Daniel into Babylon. They prophesied that it would happen. It happened. Sometimes while the prophets were even speaking, things happened. Remember the handwriting on the wall and so many different things. But in the New Testament, we don't see the fulfillment in our lifetime yet of prophecy. And prophecy is completed in the Word of God. So now false prophets come along and try and change things a little. Tell us what's going to happen. You know, we have all the answers right here. We don't need to listen to false prophets. And false prophets were evil spirits, were people with a bad spirit who teach the wrong thing. Now look at 1 Timothy. Keep your finger here and go over about 20 pages prior and you'll come to 1 Timothy. Just before Titus, just before Hebrews, just before 2 Timothy, obviously. 1 Timothy chapter... Uh, four. And, you know, a lot of people don't understand the seriousness of false teaching. Sometimes a false teacher will come to your home, and the Bible says don't even let them in. Don't say God bless you and don't give them any money. Don't bid them Godspeed. In other words, don't give them supplies so they can move on. You do not let them in your house. And, and they're, they come, they're, they're mostly involved in cults, but they're false teachers. And if you want to challenge them, the very first thing you ask them is, do you believe that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh? And they say no, then say, we're not having any further conversation unless you want to listen to what I have to say. But I'm not going to listen. Be kind, be respectful. Just tell them you're not going to listen to what they have to say because you believe their teaching is false. Have the courage to say the right thing, but say it in kindness. But look at here. People don't realize this. Now the Spirit's... Uh, speaketh expressly that in latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. 
What are these doctrines of devils? These must be serious, serious, mystifying doctrines, right? We'll look at verse 4, or verse 3. Forbidding to marry. Did you know any organization that says you shouldn't get married is teaching a doctrine of the devil? Marriage is honorable. It's a wonderful thing. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. And we obviously are talking about legitimate marriage, okay? A man and a woman. Nowadays, you got to explain that. Uh, you know, I've thought about entering the Olympics and getting, uh, calling myself a woman in boxing and the heavyweight senior citizens and beating up all the ladies. Wouldn't that be great? I could get a gold medal. I mean, obviously, our world's a little, our world's a little wacko right now. So we want to explain when we talk about marriage as a good thing between a naturally born man and woman. Okay, clarify that. But we we know that that those who teach it's wrong to marry are teaching doctrines of the devil. Think of that. One church won't let their leaders marry, and they wonder why they fall morally. Hello, wake up. The Bible says you can marry. A bishop is the husband of one wife. I don't know where they come up with that teaching, but they don't come up with it from the Bible. It doesn't come from the Bible. Look at this next doctrine of the devil. Simple things. And to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving. Did you know that's a doctrine of the devil? You can't eat meat. Now, if you have the conviction not to eat meat, that's fine. Abide by your conviction. It's not what we're saying. We're talking about enforcing and preaching and teaching that it's sinful to eat meat. Paul said that is a doctrine of the devil. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't seem like serious things. But the Bible says they're doctrines of the devil. Isn't that something? Back to John. Back to John. So we know that here he says to test them. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Verse 2, hereby know we the Spirit of God. There's a capital S, Holy Spirit. Every spirit, small s, man that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. There it is. That's the incarnation. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Christ, remember, is not his last name. It's a title, meaning Messiah. God in flesh. That's who Jesus is. We call him Jesus Christ. That's his name and his title. Sometimes in the Bible you'll find Jesus Christ. Why is Jesus first? Emphasizing his humanity. Sometimes you'll find Christ Jesus listed that way. That's his deity being emphasized. But those are both important things. One's a great name and one's a great title. That name of Jesus saves everyone that's ever been saved. And so here we have this, this test Test the spirits. Here's how you know, he says. Here's how you know. If they confess that Jesus Christ, Jesus is the Messiah, God, the God-man, has come in the flesh, then we know they're, they're true prophets. Every spirit that doesn't confess it is not of God. And this is the spirit of what? Antichrist. It's a big word we hear a lot in our world. You remember when we were kids, Henry Kissinger may have been the Antichrist. No, and I've heard different people called the Antichrist over the years. But the Antichrist, the definite article the, will not be revealed until after the rapture. So then what is this spirit of Antichrist, Brother Dan? Well, our world is full of the spirit of Antichrist. Turn the news on, all anti-God. 
A preacher makes a mistake, it's on national news. One, one news broadcast, everybody on that broadcast is perverse, but boy, they'll talk a lot about the mistakes of church people. And I'm thinking, all you guys are immoral, and you talk about church people all the time. Now, we are a disappointment to God when we fail, and we're that a bad example. And I'm always hurt and embarrassed and saddened when a Christian makes mistakes that the whole world has to hear about. And we ought to, we ought to gird up the loins of our mind and realize we're in spiritual warfare. Read Ephesians, put the armor on. We have to do battle with the enemy all the time. We know that because the enemy is real. The God of this world is Satan. One day God's going to come back and take control of this world, but right now he lets Satan run to and fro. And all his demons, all the fallen angels that help him are real. They're here. They're real, and that spirit abounds. Now our teachers are going to have to teach all this stuff that goes against God. I mean, for years, I remember when I was in middle school. Now get this, I'm in sixth grade, and they're starting to teach evolution. I was singing, swinging through a tree. I lost my towel and became a Ph.D., and they were teaching that when I was in sixth grade. And I raised my hand and said, I believe in God. And she said, well, you can believe in God and evolution too. And I said, I don't think God needs evolution. Sixth grade. Mrs. Ross was a wonderful lady, but she was told to teach that. So science class is all messed up. You know, the spirit of Antichrist is in our schools. Teachers have to teach the Big Bang Theory. When we started poking fun of evolution and found out that the tooth they found was not a Neanderthal man, but it was from a pig, and we found all these breakdowns and it all fell apart, then they had to change and go to the Big Bang Theory. It was this big explosion, you know, and everything fell into place. Isn't this building wonderful we have today? You know how it got here? It all blew up, fell into place. And, and that, that became kind of stupid, and so now they have this... We need billions of years, billions of years. Turn on the discovery. I said this a few weeks ago. I'm repeating myself, but you hear the tortoise is billions of years old. And then you go to National Geographic Channel and the tortoise is millions of years old. I'm like, wait, wait, wait a minute. They don't even get together on this. They're all mixed up. That's the spirit of Antichrist. It's in science. It's, it's going to become part of history. You won't hear history class talk about Israel, Jesus, and all the biblical history that we have, you won't hear that in the classrooms. You'll hear all the stuff about all the terrible, terrible past of our country. Now, let me just say this. I think our country made some terrible mistakes. We treated the natives terrible. You know I believe that. Slavery was terrible. However, compare our history to the history of all the older nations in the world. we got a pretty good history because we learned from our mistakes and we did some things to correct our mistakes. And now we need to move forward. Teach history and teach the good, but teach the bad. But we don't have to take people and reprogram them about history. I'm going to salute the flag as long as I live. You tell our military the flag's not a good flag. Boy, you'll have a problem on your hands. Our military people love the flag. And at 4th of July, years ago, I was in the 4th of July celebration in Panama, and I was Uncle Sam, and I had this big tall hat, and they had all the cannons, and I had to call all the states off. 
and you know which state was first. I can't remember it. Don't ask me. And I remember, boy, that was tough. I said, all oh, these thousands of people are going to be there. I got to remember memorize these states in the order that they came into the union. But what a great celebration of our history. And so history's changing now. We've got to talk all about, you know, the mistakes of the past and bring them up to today and blame today's generation. I told someone my parents and ancestors came to America after the Civil War was over. I don't, I'm not apologizing for my ancestry. They weren't even here until the Civil War was over. And I'm not going to get involved in that. You know what I do? I just, I just tell them Jesus loves them. Witness to them because the Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist is all over the media. It's all through our schools and the stuff they're having to teach. I remember they started teaching sex education. Uh, when I was young, they started teaching it in middle school. And my dad wasn't happy back then. And it's been a few years since I've been in middle school. My dad said, why don't we just why don't they leave that up to the family and the parent and the dad to teach that? Well, dads have failed, so now we want public school to teach that. That's not their role either. It's the school's role, role to teach reading, writing, and arithmetic. History and science and math. The Bible says so-called science. They call it science. It's not science. But the fact of the matter is the spirit of Antichrist, it's here, folks. It's been here since John. And it's here now. You can't help but turn on a TV show. All the TV shows now have men kissing men, women kissing women, all preparation. All about aliens and spaceships and all this junk. We're going to be gone one day. They're going to have an answer, but the answer will be the lie. And they'll believe the Antichrist because he'll come on the scene. He'll work miracles. The whole world will believe him. Back to our text. Here, he says, every spirit that confesses. You know, the incarnation is so important. John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning... By the way, you'll find that phrase to start out First John. You'll find it to start out Genesis, and you'll find out it starts out the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word. That's logos. Don't worry about learning Greek words. I usually share just the ones that you understand. But that word is translated word, the logos. And the logos, the Word became flesh. So who is that? Jesus. I heard a good, solid preacher this morning say, if you want to find Jesus, he's right in here. He's right here. You haven't seen him. Years ago, a friend of mine said, I saw Jesus standing at the foot of my bed. I said, you didn't. He said, I did. I said, you didn't. He said, I did. This went on. I thought we better answer him at some point. I said, listen, the Bible said when Jesus comes again, every eye will see him. In the rapture, not everybody's going to see him. We're going to be gone. In the twinkling of an eye. We're not going to wing our way back home or fly away. While we will, it'll be so fast, we won't have time to spread our wings. We're gone. Boom. In the air, meeting him, gone. But when he comes back to the earth, every single person is going to see him. The cameras are going to be on. All the events that are taking place are going to get everyone's attention. For seven years, they're going to see these crazy things happening in space. And everybody's going to be looking. And all of a sudden, Jesus is going to step out. And he's to set foot on the Mount of Olives and take control of this world. So I said, my friend, you haven't seen Jesus. The only way to see him is in here. That's the word of God. The word became flesh. Colossians 2.9, he's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That's the incarnation. The incarnation. Proverbs 30 verse 4 says, what is his name and what is his son's name? 
Even back in the Old Testament, they understood the Trinity. Satan never would call Jesus a son of man. He'd call him the son of God, but he never called him the son of man. Son of man is a title we find in Daniel, and we find it in Psalms. An important title referring again to the incarnation. Satan didn't want to call him God in the flesh. He would say, you're God's son, but he wouldn't say he is God. And that's the doctrine that separates truth from fiction. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Peter says quite a bit here in chapter 2 in these first three verses. He says quite a bit in 1 Peter 2, excuse me, 2 Peter 2, I'm sorry, 2-2, 2 Peter 2. Peter says a lot about false teaching. In these three verses, he says six things to us. He says, but there were many false prophets also among the people. First of all, they're possibly or probably from a church background. False prophets oftentimes are in churches. They're called wolves amongst the sheep by Matthew and Mark, and they can be part of a church. Now, I don't know a false prophet here, so don't, don't panic, but however, we always have to keep our eyes open and our ears listening. If somebody teaches something incorrectly, we need to raise our hands and say, hold on a minute, that's not the way I heard it. You know, let's ask some questions. We don't accept false teaching. But notice, he says, they were among the people. Acts says in Acts 20, they're, they're part of your own selves, these false prophets. But look at, look at 1 Peter 2. They're, 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 they privately bring in, it says, they privately shall bring in damnable heresies. The word damnable is translated destruction. Two sentences later, traded, tra translated damnation in chapter three, and translated pernicious in verse in chapter three, in verse three, and pernicious in verse two. And many shall follow their pernicious ways. So they're private. How they bring it in in a very secret, private way. Nobody ever comes into a church and says, "I want to teach you that Jesus was not God." They don't do that. They, they're very clever, and they say Jesus and God were in agreement. But Jesus said, I and my Father are one. Philip said, could you show us the Father? He said, Philip, how long have you been with me? Do you not understand? If you've seen me, you've seen the... We don't understand the Trinity. We accept it by faith because the Bible teaches it. I accept it by faith. I, I can't explain it. I, for kids, I would take an egg and say there's a shell and the yolk and the egg and these three are one. But still... You still see that the yolk and the white are different. That's why when I peel an egg, I peel some of the white off. I like the yellow, the bad stuff, the cholesterol. But the, the fact of the matter is we have to accept doctrines by faith. I can't understand how someone could be born of a virgin. I don't understand how anyone could be sinless. I don't understand how there's no time with God. I accept it all by faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the so we accept what the Bible teaches. And if we can't explain it, we don't accept some alternate view, some antichrist teaching. We accept the Word of God. So look here. It's popular. The Bible says in verse, in, we're still in 2 Peter 2, it says many shall follow, verse 2. It's pernicious. We already say it's plastic. What do you mean plastic? Look at verse 3. Who covetous shall, shall they with feigned words? The word feign is word plastos, we get our word plastic and plaster from it. You know, just, just emptiness. They're feigned words. They're worthless words. Our dumps are filled with plastic, and churches may be filled with feigned words. I hope not. So Peter makes it very clear that 
these, these six things apply to false teachers. Back to John. Now, the Greek word translated false prophet is only found, is found 11 times in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word is, is found 298 times. And only eight times it's false. He calls false prophets dreamers and diviners and miracle workers in the Old Testament. And the Bible says they will use signs and wonders in the tribulation to, to fool the Jews. Many will take the mark of the beast. 144,000 be saved, but many will take the mark of the beast. We'll not be here for that, but many will accept this false teaching. Again, the incarnation here is so vitally important. A doctrine we must accept. Astronaut James Irwin said, walking on the moon was pretty awesome. But he's a believer. He said, but that's nothing compared to God walking on the earth. And that's Jesus. And I could add, he came a lot farther and did a lot more. C.S. Lewis said, he's... He, he, he became the Son of Man so we could become the sons of God. I was reading about Manila. There's a community of very poor people that live in the dump in Manila. It's very sad. You can read about it. You can, there's stuff on that. It's very sad. They make homes in these places of garbage, and they find things, and they try to live there. And I thought, how sad for those people. Of course, that bothered me alone, but then I thought, you know what Jesus did? He left heaven to come to this garbage dump. Do you know this is a spiritually, that spiritually America's a garbage dump. Spiritually, this world's a garbage dump. In many countries, Christianity is outlawed to be executed. In fact, in most countries, Christianity isn't thriving. Christians are thriving. People are being saved, but Christianity is not accepted. It's accepted in America, but not quite like it should be. Other countries are now more open to the gospel than we are. We're gradually tightening the screws on Christians to shut them up and to sound them out. We're talking about making preaching hate speech. we got all these things. But here's the thing. God is still on the throne, and we still have a responsibility. And that is to reach the world with the gospel. Back to our text. He says, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. So we've overcome the Antichrist. We've overcome the evil spirit. Because of God, we're overcomers. Look at 5 5. 1 John 5 5. I like this. Who is he that overcometh? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, you're an overcomer. You've overcome. You say, well, I'm still poor. You've overcome spiritually. You're on the winning side. I like Revelation. We find seven times in two chapters, chapter 2 and chapter 3, he talks about overcoming. He says in, in Revelation 2 that we're overcomers and we have eternal life. We have, uh, we'll enjoy the eternal life. We'll enjoy the tree of life in chapter 2. We'll enjoy the bread of life in chapter 2. We'll enjoy the rule of life in chapter 2. We'll enjoy the book of life in chapter 3. The temple of life in chapter 3. We'll enjoy the throne of life in chapter 3. We're overcomers. Greater is he that it is, is in us than he that is in the world. We overcome all that. We don't have to give in to the spirit of the Antichrist. We're protected by God. Satan can't touch us without God's permission. 
And we have a supernatural force in our bodies, the Holy Spirit. And we carry a sword of the Spirit in our hands. The Word of God and the Word of life, the Lord Jesus. The Word became flesh. The incarnation. So we're overcomers. Verse 2, we know that the Spirit of God, hereby know we Ye the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come to flesh is of God. Your Holy Spirit should tell you immediately when someone is teaching something that's wrong. You should be able to turn the TV on and say, hey, that's not correct teaching. Change the channel. Don't listen. Change the channel. There's a lot of false teachers. A lot of false teaching out there. Look at verse 5. Says, we're overcomers in verse four. They are of the world. Therefore speak they of the world and the world heareth them. The world is following this false teaching, the spirit of Antichrist by the thousands and thousands and thousands. You get any nut job on the news, they'll have him on the news. And he'll come up with some new ism, some new schism. He'll, he'll try to tell you something that's in the spirit world and all this stuff, and you sit there and you think, this is false teaching. But lots of people will follow because they don't have the Lord. Look back at verse 20 of chapter 2. 20 of chapter 2. I like this. It says, in the same context, we know the whole chapter is talking about the Spirit of God. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. Do you know as a believer, as a child of God, the Holy Spirit can teach you all things? You say, Pastor, I would like to learn some of the stuff you've learned. The Spirit of God is the greatest teacher I've ever experienced. Nothing ever compares to Him. Sometimes I'm in my study and I've read the books and read the books and I've prepared and I've worked hard and I just say, Lord, I need some direction here. And then the Spirit of God says, Here's what it is. And I'm like, wow, that was good. He knows what he's talking about. And every one of us has the Spirit of God in our lives. We have an unction. Look down in verse 20, 20 or 27 of the same chapter. But the anointing which you have received, the word anointing there in verse 27 of chapter 2, and the word unction in verse 2, same Greek word. I told someone one time, I had an unction when I came to a junction. My life wasn't so great as a young man. I was getting in trouble. I was 12, and I'd already been in enough trouble, and I came to a crossroads. I came to a junction, and God saved me, and I said, I got an unction at that junction. God saved me. And then the Holy Spirit moved inside. And gradually He started saying to me, that's wrong, Dan. That's your old Dan doing that. New Dan shouldn't do that. And I love that about the Spirit of God in my life. Love that. Back to our text. So in verse 3, reminds you that anyone who doesn't confess that Jesus the Messiah has come in the flesh is of the Antichrist. In chapter 2 John, verse 9, it said, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. The matters of the doctrines of Christ matter. The doctors of Messiah matter. The Messiah is Jesus. The Jews are still looking for the Messiah. 
That Hebrew word, Meshach, they're still looking for Him. But we know it's Jesus. He's already come. So He says here, they're of the world, they listen to the world. But verse 6, this is a great verse. We are of God, he that knoweth God heareth us, he that is not of God heareth us not. Hereby we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. John says, now all his buddies have been martyred. John says, we, there are evidently other disciples and other leaders, he said, and other Christians were of God. And the Spirit of God lives in us. And we have the Spirit of truth because we accept that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. He's the Savior of the world. There's three things here that separate Christians. First of all, we already mentioned. He says we know we're of God if we accept that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, God in the flesh. Second of all, he talks in verses 4 and 5 about those who listen to God, those who obey God are His children. So you know you're a child of God by the fact that you accept the doctrine of Jesus Christ. You also know you're a child of God by the fact that Jesus Christ, you, you accept His teaching and obey Him. And third, we know later in the chapter it says we know we're Christians because we love the brethren. We love one another. You know, and love is more than just greeting each other, which we do so well. Love means to give, for God so loved the world that He gave. And if we see a brother in need and we don't meet that need, we're fouling God. We're not putting love into action. What if God just said, oh, I love you. I love you, but He never sent Jesus. Oh, I love you, but I'm not going to give. What kind of God would that be? Well, the God of the world, He takes. But our God gives. Our God gives. He sent Jesus to this dump to live 33 and a half years, to be ridiculed and belittled and beaten beyond recognition, to have his beard ripped off his face, to have a crown of thorns shoved on his head, to be put on the cross, and to drive spikes through his hands and through his feet and a spear in his side. He sent his son to experience that. I tell you, I couldn't see my sons get fouled in a basketball game without getting upset. I, I couldn't see my sons get stitches. I remember my boy Jeremy in Panama. He was running and slipped, and his do- foot went under the door, and he cut himself way across the top of his foot. I think Lloyd said he came down right when that happened to visit us. And I brought him to the hospital, and that doctor, that mean old doctor, took that needle and stuck it right in there to numb it. And I was like, oh, my word. And my son was crying. I thought the world was coming to an end. <laughs> it was just stitches. I didn't want to see my son suffer. My boy Zach fell into the third cut about 30 feet. Luckily, he broke his arm but did not get killed. And we had to get him up out of the cut and climb across the side of that wall of rock and get him to the hospital, and his bone was sticking out. And the doctor said, the only thing I can do is break the other bone. So he took his arm and snapped it. You know where I was? Running down the hall to get away. Couldn't watch it. I abandoned my wife. I was just out of there. I wasn't going to watch that. And he popped his arm. Oh, man, I could hear it outside in the hallway. And I thought, oh, that's terrible. I didn't like to see my kids suffer. And I, I think of friends whose kids have been hurt in a divorce. Friends who have daughters that are beaten up by a, a man. 
You have the grandchildren suffer, maybe terrible diseases. There's so much suffering in our world. I couldn't handle that. But God sent Jesus purposely to be the lamb slaughtered for our sin. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's no other name where my men can be saved. He's the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He's the keeper of creation, creator of all. He's the, he's the architect He's of the universe, the manager of all times. He always was, always is, and always will be. He's unmoved, unchanged, undefeated, but never undone. He's my redeemer. He's my savior, my guide, and my peace. He's my joy, my comfort. He's my Lord. That's Jesus. And if you're without him today, you have a spirit of antichrist, and you need to be saved and allow the Holy Spirit to come into your life and take over your life. Thank you, God. We pray this morning. Lord, I wish I had all the answers. Your word does. I don't always understand your word and your ways. And your ways aren't like mine. But I accept you as being the all-knowing, all-powerful God. And we're in a terrible world, Lord. We're just pilgrims here. Thank you for pointing that out to us in your word that we're just passing through. Help us not to be too connected to love this world too much and the things of this world too much because we're going to leave them all behind. Thank you for pointing that out. Lord, this morning, I just want you to point out in the lives of each person here that you are God, that Jesus Christ is your son and is God in the flesh, the incarnation. And if there's anyone here that's never accepted Jesus, that today they recognize who He is. Trust Him to pay for their sin. He paid it on Calvary. Help people put their faith in that, Lord. God, so we all can be closer to You. Help all of us to examine our lives and make sure He's first in our life. And that we are like Him in giving love and helping one another. Being compassionate towards the lost and concern for our own church family. Bless God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Stand and sing.